just like so many other different areas of dog training, crate training is something that can confuse a lot of people. And there are some misconceptions around it, such as the idea that putting a dog into a crate is like putting him or her into prison. But that's not true. So let's talk about that. Welcome to Don't Throw Out the Dog, a podcast to dive into the behaviors of your dog to help you understand what they mean, how they're feeling, and what they're trying to say. It's education and knowledge for a closer connection, bringing your best friend even closer. Now your host, Armando Morales. Hey everyone, welcome back to Don't Throw Out the Dog. This is episode 10. Yes, I've made it to 10 episodes and I am grateful that you are here with me. I'm extremely appreciative of that. And you know what? I was uh, setting up for this podcast and I was thinking of something that I hadn't done before. I don't think I've ever really explained why I named the podcast Don't Throw Out the Dog. I don't think I ever kind of had a discussion uh, or, or brought up the idea behind the name. So let me just do that very quickly. And it's, you know, it's, it's very simple. Look, I deal with so many different people, so many dog issues. And as I've said in the past, this isn't really dog training. I know we call it dog training, but it's really about human training. It's about getting the human to understand the species that they're dealing with, think about the, the, that dog in the right way, and therefore handle the dog and deal with the dog in the right way. Um, and change through dogs, the, regardless of the problem, the issue that the dog is dealing with is very, very possible. But I know now that change doesn't just happen on its own. Dogs rarely self-direct. You know, I've said it before in another episode, a human can go down the toilet bowl of life and spiral completely out of control into some sort of major addiction and at some point hit such a low point that he or she can decide, you know, this isn't working for me, let me just turn my life around, and they can, and they do, and they have, there are many success stories of, of people who are seriously addicted to something, drugs or alcohol, and turn their lives around completely, but I have rare, rarely, in fact, I say rarely, but I, I don't know of any dog that does that, a dog can continue to spiral out of control, and he would just double down on the behavior, which will get increasingly worse over time until someone at some point gets hurt and decides we got to put this dog down. So this is not really dog training. This is about human training. And in dealing with so many humans, you know, I come across so many different stories, great stories, sad stories, um, and even some extremely frustrating and angering stories. I've worked with shelters in the past. I do assessments for shelters. I've conducted classes and seminars in shelters. And I hear the stories of the dogs that get relinquished to shelters. And one very common scenario is someone who just feels frustrated about the dog's behavior. And it could be the simplest of behavior. We're not talking about hardcore aggression. Suddenly they brought Cujo into their house. We're talking about them struggling with housebreaking, potty training the dog. The dogs had a few accidents in the house, so they relinquish him to the shelter. And I can't tell you how much that just really, really pisses me off. I mean, I, I can't tell you how just just callous and, and irresponsible uh, uh, that has to be of someone who does something like that. Now, look. It is very well possible that I'm speaking to an audience of which contain a few people who have had to relinquish a dog into a shelter. And I'm not trying to beat down upon you. But what I am trying to say is that with, with exceptions, and there are a few exceptions, 
most dog issues, behavioral issues, can be improved upon in some way. Even the most difficult and challenging of dogs and behaviors can find a home or a human, in other words, who will be able to give them a good quality of life without putting anyone at risk or at danger. So the idea that people just can decide to just out of the blue, I, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated with this dog, I'm going to throw him out led me to create the, or rather, yeah, create the name for this podcast, which is Don't Throw Out the Dog. Don't throw out the dog because there's a solution. Somehow, somewhere, there is a solution. There is a way of making the situation better. And yes, the, the dog could have his or her own issues, right? We've talked about this. How they can have some kind of predisposed or, or genetic inclination towards a, a behavior or, or an emotional state, anxiety, fear, which can just really worsen their behaviors. So yes, the dog can have his home baggage, but very often we create the problems. So there's a solution somehow, somewhere, and it's just your ability to troubleshoot it, to work through it, to have the patience, to stick to it, not to just decide, I've had enough of this dog and I'm going to throw him out. That's, that's freaking ridiculous. Anyway, that's my rant, and that was my reasoning for the title of the podcast, Don't Throw Out the Dog. Do not throw out the dog. So let's talk today about um, crate training. Crate training is an important thing. You know, I, I when I started doing this, I, I, I thought to myself, you know, I'm not going to make these podcasts on these smaller issues like crate training or housebreaking, but I realized that they're really not small issues, that many people do struggle with them. And yes, just for the reason that I gave a few seconds ago about how dogs get relinquished to shelters, they can often uh, end up in shelters for the smallest of things because they have potty training accidents, which is completely natural and normal because they don't settle well in a crate, which is also normal. Um, so it is important that I think I discuss these these things uh, at length and give you a little information to help you make your the transitioning with your dog, if it's a new dog that's coming into the house, whether it's a younger or an older dog, a little smoother. So let's talk about crate training today and the importance of crate training. Let's let's kind of like very quickly that dispel some of the myths that some of the people have because I hear all sorts of things when it comes to crate training. As I said in the introduction, is that one of which is we don't want to crate our, our dog because he was confined in a, in a shelter or in a, in, a, in a home, in a foster home or in a, some kind of rescue organization and we don't want to uh, help him associate that, this experience and this life and this house with that experience. So we don't want to crate him for that reason or we don't want to think the or rather we, we don't want the dog to think that he's in in a prison we don't want him to think he's being punished because we see a crate and we think of the crate like a prison of course because it's got wires and, you know bars we think of course it, it, this is not going to be good for the dog the dog is going to think of it exactly like we do but they don't they don't. And I'm going to tell you that at some point in time, you're going to wish more than likely that you had crate trained your dog. And let me explain. So if you have a puppy, uh, there's a very good possibility that depending on where the puppy came from, he was already crate 
trained in some sense. He was already accustomed to being confined and isolated in a space for an extended period of time. And that is often a good thing. That is a gift that you should be looking upon. And you should extend that behavior or that association that the dog has with being left alone in a crate into your lifestyle. But very often we don't. What do we do? We do the opposite. We give the, the, the puppy and the dog a little too much freedom. Or if it's not a puppy and you're getting an older dog, you're getting a more mature dog, maybe it doesn't have to be a senior dog, it be just two or three years old, you feel, well, the dog's probably gone around from home to home. He's been rescued. And again, we lead with emotions. We don't lead with logic. And at some point, this comes back and bites us in the rear. So there are three things, and I think I've mentioned this in other podcasts, that you want to focus on as a dog owner or a dog parent or a dog leader, whatever you want to call it. There are three things that you kind of want to get skilled at, and three, three things that you are always going to be uh, three roads you're always going to be going down on when you troubleshoot a behavior with a dog. One is training. And that means that you want to be skilled at getting a certain behavior in a dog. Yeah, we think of the simple stuff like sit, down, stay. But you want to teach a dog impulse control around food. You want to teach impulse control around open doorways, for example, thresholds, right? So you want to be able to, to say that you're skilled enough to be able to teach a dog a certain behavior that you want. even And that can extend to even just like tricks, you know, the fancy stuff, paw, roll over, play dead, whatever. The other thing which ties into training is leadership. You want to be able to have a strong relationship with the dog and know how to form that bond, how to create the right relationship with the dog. And many people, what happens is that they don't. They don't know how to lead the dog. The reason is, well, let me go back a second. What I was just saying is that many people don't know how to have the right relationship with the dog. They don't know how to lead the dog. In their minds, because their dog follows them around and because the dog likes to lay on their lap and because the dog, you know, likes to whatever, cuddle, they think that they have the right relationship with the dog. But when it comes time to getting a certain behavior from the dog, when it comes time to get attention and focus from the dog to get the dog to listen to you it doesn't happen because they don't have the right relationship the rela- the relationship is unbalanced of sorts so it's too much on the soft side on the emotion side and not much on on the other end where you have the structure and you have the guidance and this is the thing to the to being the proper leader and this is what part of your learning curve is knowing how to give proper guidance and instruction and information and in direction at all times to the dog because the dog you know needs to learn how to navigate his or her way through the human world and that's part of your leadership so in addition to knowing how to get certain behaviors training wise you have to learn how to have the right relationship with the dog that's going to make you a leader the other thing the third thing is management you have to be skilled and learn to be skilled at managing the dog's environment, managing the, the environment and controlling the environment and manipulating the environment and the space around the dog. And when you think about all of these three, uh, I'm sorry, if you, when you think about all of these three things and you draw a parallel and a comparison, an analogy between training a dog and training a human, as you often hear me do here in these episodes, 
you see a lot of comparables there, right? You see a lot of comparables. What do we do with a small child? What do we do with a toddler? We train. Well, you may not call it training. Maybe you call it teaching. Maybe you call it educating. So semantics, different wording. But it's the same thing. We teach them. This is where you go to play. This is where you don't go. You're not allowed in this room. You're not allowed to bring this toy here. You can't go down those stairs. You can't go up those stairs. You can't open that cabinet. Right. You can't open the fridge and grab whatever you want. Um, you know, you have to flush the toilet. You have you can't play with your food. So we're always continuing to educate and teach them. And we do that. We, as I said earlier, it's tied into leadership. So you don't you it's possible that you don't think of yourself as a leader when you're teaching uh, your small toddler. But you are. You are providing exactly what a leader does, that guidance and that instruction and that direction on a regular basis. And what else do we do with a small toddler? We manage them. We manage the hell out of them. We manage everything, where they go, who they're with, who's with them in that space, what they're doing in that space, what's in that space with them. So we're always managing. So this last piece, the management piece, is really what crate training is about. And crate training helps you enormously in quite a few different areas. Number one, it is a management tool. It's a management tool. And in your life with your dog, you're going to be incorporating a lot of management tools. And if you're not, you may want to start considering doing so. Because there are situations where the dog's kind of out of control, where the dog's having accidents all over the place, where the dog's getting into trouble somewhere else. Those are management issues. They're not always training issues. My dog's drive, My dog's digging like crazy, I hear. My dog digs the entire backyard. I need to train him to stop. No, you don't. You need to become better at learning how to manage your dog's environment. So that's a management issue. And crate training helps tremendously with management. Okay? Uh, and at some point, look, your your ultimate goal is because I can I can almost like hear the thinking in many of you right now is, well, I want to be able to teach my dog to, to to roam freely throughout the house. Of course. Yeah, you do. And you should be working towards that, working towards that, just like you work towards your having your child eventually do things independently of you. So you don't have to be there with him or her at all times. But what do we do with a small toddler? Well, we kind of micromanage them quite a bit, right? And we want to micromanage them. And as that child gets older in age, yeah, well, what else is he going to get older in? But as that child gets older, we kind of uh, loosen the reins, right? And, and not just willy-nilly, just not because we're tired of managing the child or educating and leading the child, but because the child is now showing us that he or she is making the right choices, and when that happens, we start to give them more freedom. We extend their world. We expand their world. And it's no different with a dog. So, your yes, your ultimate goal should be to have the dog roam around the house freely without you having to crate him or her at all times. But that has to be earned. That has to be worked towards. And crate training helps you get them to that place where they are now free to roam around the house and you can trust them based on the choices that they have made meaning they're not chewing up your whatever, your shoes, your, your furniture, uh, peeing and pooing all over the place. So they're making right choices. 
the crate training is a management tool and you have to manage them until you give them all that ultimate freedom. And even once you get to the point where you've given them complete ultimate freedom and they got the run of the house is that at some point in time, there is a very good probability that you may need to manage the dog. So, for example, you may need to travel. And if you're traveling to a hotel or if you're traveling to a relative's house, you may want to have the option of not allowing the dog to free roam around that space. And you, when you go off to dinner, for example, after a, a few hours in the hotel room, you may need to put that dog in a crate. In fact, the hotel may require it. And if your dog is not crate trained, or, and even if your dog was, but you haven't placed the dog into a crate in three years, I don't recommend you throwing him in there and just slamming the door shut and thinking that everything's going to go smooth for the dog. It may be a shock to him because he's not accustomed or acclimated to going in there on a regular, consistent basis. So, yes, crate training is important. And, you know, with children, pens, uh, cribs, what are, what's a crib if not a, a crate for a child, <laughs> for a human? That's exactly what it is. So if you're along the lines of one of these people who thinks, oh, I don't want to imprison my dog, I don't want him to associate it with punishment, don't, don't worry about that. Just, just work at training your dog to go into a crate and be comfortable in that crate for an extended period of time. And by the way, crate training is instrumental in potty training or housebreaking a dog. And often enough, what happens is when I'm called in for a housebreaking issue, my dog is peeing and pooing all over the place. One of the common scenarios that the family is currently in is that they have this wild, out-of-control, high-energy puppy, and they have given the puppy too much freedom. And maybe the puppy is crate-trained, but they're not putting the pieces together. They're not linking the amount of freedom that they're giving the dog with the number of accidents that the dog is having throughout the house. So crate training is instrumental in teaching how to properly housebreak a dog because the reason for that is, and I'm going to create another episode just on potty training, housebreaking, but I'll tell you right now is that one of the things that the dog needs to learn and understand well is bladder control in order to be properly housebroken. The dog must have some kind of bladder control. And crate training helps quite a bit in helping the dog hold his bladder. And that is because, for the most part, dogs don't like to do their business where they sleep. Right? Neither do we. So if you're able to confine them within a space in between the times in which you're taking him out to do his business, he is going to learn to hold that bladder. And that is one of the components that you need to have a successful potty training or housebreaking session. So let's go into some quick tips that will help you crate train your dog because I don't want to make this a very long episode and it doesn't need to be. So let's go into the very quick pointers that can help you out. Number one is that you want to create a positive association with the crate, okay, always. And now I know what you're thinking is that sometimes you put the dog in the crate because he or she misbehaves or because they get a little unruly or high energy. That's okay. It's not necessarily going to turn it into a negative association. That's all right. It's no big deal. But so don't sweat that. I'm not even going to talk and expand upon that right now, but just don't sweat that. Don't let that stop you from what I'm going to tell you here. 
is that, uh, number one, you want to create a positive association with the dog. So, with the crate, excuse me. So, for example, if, you, if you're training a dog to be crate trained and crate comfortable for the first time, you want to start doing it in small pieces, in small increments. You don't want to just throw the dog in there, slam the door, and create a negative association if the dog is not accustomed to being isolated and alone for for some time okay it can be too much too soon it can be like throwing you into solitary confinement and that's not going to work out well okay so what you want to do first off is have the crate in a low traffic area okay get yourself a crate that is appropriate for your dog's size. Now, I understand that you may have a small little puppy and that puppy is going to grow up to be 60, 70, 80 pounds and you want to get a crate where the dog's going to be able to grow into it. But it should be partitioned in some way so that it's, it doesn't become like a mansion. So he can go do his business on the west wing and then come back on the east wing and sleep. So you want to separate it and have that partition somewhere so that the dog just has enough room to just turn around and lay down on whatever it is a bed or or a towel of some sort whatever you have there to provide some kind of padding so but he doesn't need to go back and forth if your dog is walking around that is way too much space and it's going to more than likely inhibit your housebreaking efforts so you want to make sure that you have a crate that's appropriately sized Take the crate and put it in a low traffic or no traffic space. The less traffic, the better, okay? And you maybe the bedroom, maybe your bedroom. Don't think about putting it somewhere near the front door or some other hallway or path area where people are going to be going back and forth. That's going to create a negative association. And what you're going to start working towards is creating a positive association with the crate. Now, assuming that the dog is not accustomed to the crate at all and has never been in a crate, you're going to do this in intervals over a slow and short, well, no, not short, but a slow period of time. Take your time with it. Don't rush. Don't take the dog and just throw him in there and close the door behind him. That's going to be no different than throwing you into uh, solitary confinement. It's not going to go well. It may be a case of too much too soon. Now, all dogs vary. Some dogs may take to it. Most dogs probably won't, right? So take your time. So again, very quickly, get a crate that's appropriately sized, put it in a low traffic area, maybe in your bedroom where many where there is no traffic, where many people won't go into, okay? And create a hovel of sorts, like a den, a haven, okay? And maybe even cover it with a, a blanket of some kind. It doesn't have to be a bright little sunny spot. Make it dark. Open the crate and make sure that it's uh, in a position so that the crate door doesn't slam on the dog at all times or when he or she starts to come in. Take a, a little zip tie and tie it. This is just while you're training the dog to get acclimated and accustomed to the crate. And remember that you're trying to create a positive association. Now, how are you going to do that? Try to feed the dog inside the crate every feeding. So you feed two or three times depending on how old your dog is. Take the food that you feed the dog, the kibble or whatever it is, even if it's raw, and do it inside the crate. You don't have to close the crate just yet. In fact, you're, you're quite a bit from closing the crate. But just the point is that every time the dog eats, he eats inside the crate. You can leave the water outside where it's accessible to the dog. He doesn't have, need to have the water inside the crate. But the food is eaten inside the crate. Every time you take the dog, you want to put him inside the crate 
and you want to give him some kind of treat, you put him inside the crate. Maybe you have a Kong, right? And you have a stuffed Kong. Stuff it, mortar it with some kind of peanut butter, freeze it, and give it to him at certain times during the day. Maybe you give him one a day. Maybe you give him two a day. Maybe you find a way to put all of his kibble inside the Kong, mortar it with some peanut butter, again, freeze it, and give it to him in the crate. So now you are helping him create a positive association with the crate, but you're also providing that mental stimulation that we've referred to in past episodes, right? So the whole point, again, is that you're creating a positive association. And as I said before, also in past episodes, dogs are associative in the way that they think. So this will work. It may take a longer period of time, even if you have a dog who has already developed a negative association to the crate. What you're looking at, what you're doing in essence, it's called counter conditioning. You're taking a negative association and you're trying to shift it around and turn it into a positive. And you're going to do that with food, meaning that what you're aiming is that the dog now sees the crate and thinks of the crate as only a good thing. All good things come to the dog in the crate. All the food, all the treats that you give him, all the yummy and fun stuff, everything happens in the crate so that very soon, if you are consistent, if you are doing it enough, the dog starts to associate the crate with the good stuff. And again, you have the nice little cover on there. You have it in an isolated or very, very low traffic space. And you have a nice little bed in there. And all of that is important. It's not just, you know, for decor. It is important because number one, the crate should be a haven for the dog. When the, the, when the dog is in the crate, you don't want anyone around him, okay? And that should be a rule of the house. When the dog is in the crate, it's hands off. There's no talking to the dog while in the crate. There's no looking at him. There's no trying to engage or interact with him. Just hands off. Let him be. The dog should feel as part of that association that when I'm in the crate, I'm safe. No one's going to bother me. No one's going to try to touch me. You know, this is especially so so for fearful and anxious dogs. You want the dog to feel not only the association of, hey, good stuff happened to me in the crate because I get a lot of good food and treats, but I'm safe here. So that's the purpose of the low traffic, the the, the, the cover that can make in the, the crate darker, and the rule of nobody touches me or nobody engages with him in the crate, Right. So if you create this and you work at getting the dog in there on a regular basis a few times during the day, mind you, you're not closing the crate just yet. You're just creating that positive association, that positive association. You can also take treats, walk the dog up to the crate, make sure that he or she knows you've got treats, toss them into the crate, make sure that they're nice high value treats that the dog doesn't get every single day. It may work with your kibble, depending on how food motivated your dog is, but get something of high value, something that's smelly, and toss it into the crate. And every single time the dog walks into the crate trying to retrieve those treats, you say crate or whatever you want to say for the crate, whatever word you want to come up with, because dogs don't understand English. So you can create a word. You can speak in Chinese. You can speak in Klingon for all I care. It doesn't matter. The dog won't understand. He'll just begin to associate the crate with the sound that comes out of your mouth. So you repeat that cue every single time. The dog just toss it in, crate, and the dog will go in. And it should go be back and forth, a smooth thing. The dog will come back out after retrieving the treat, 
because he's think he thinks you're going to toss it once again inside. And that's a good way, again, of creating a positive association. Hey, you want these treats? You're going to get them inside the crate. You've got to go inside to get them. Also, you're teaching the dog the cue for the crate. This is the word that I use when I want you to go inside the crate. And don't shy away from the treats in the future. Don't be cheap. You know, I, I don't put my dogs in the crate very often, but every once in a while when I have to, I still take treats and I toss them in there. It's a positive association. I know better. So don't shy away from them and don't think you're bribing the dog. So those are some quick, very important points. It's create a haven of sorts. Make sure it's hands-off. Everybody's hands-off. Don't talk to the dog. Don't engage with the dog. Make sure that it's a safe, isolated spot, okay? And, and this is important because if you start putting him in a heavy traffic area, again, it, you can create a negative association. Yeah, I get good stuff here. I get food and I get treats, but there's so many people walking back and forth. That stresses me, and that's not going to be good for the dog, right? So you don't want to create stress while the dog is in the crate. Now, having done this for some time, the dog's eating in there at all times. The dog is taking the Kong and eating the Kong inside the crate. He's giving you no problems. He's laying down in the crate, and he's, he's take going in for the treats when you're tossing him in there. Now what you can do is when you feed him, you're going to close the door for a short period of time. So you close the door only while he's eating. Walk away. Okay, Give him some time. Let him eat. Don't stare him down. Just let him eat, walk away, let him know that you're going to walk away, but he'll understand through repetition that as soon as he's done eating, he's, you're, you're going to come right back out and, and, and let him out and do so. And then what happens is that now you start expanding upon the time. So if he eats in five minutes and you'll let him out in five minutes, over time, you'll let him out in 10 minutes, and then you'll let him out in 15 and 30 and so on. Okay. Now you can start testing it without his actual meals. Maybe you want to go out for a little while. Put him in the crate. Give him one of those nice, tasty, fun Kongs. Close the crate. Again, you will have practiced this for some time, so the dog should not be stressed out because you're closing the crate. Close the crate. And again, all of this is matter of fact. So when you put him in the crate or when you're taking him out, don't make a big deal and party out of it. Don't talk to the dog. Don't pet the dog. Oh, I'm going to be back soon. Oh, you're not going to be in there for very long. Oh, I'm so happy to see you. Are you happy to... Don't make a party out of it. Don't help him make a different association with you going away or you coming back. There's no emotions to this. And the dog doesn't, it doesn't necessarily need to feel emotional about it unless you bring emotions into play. So put your emotions aside and everything should just be matter of fact. This is your food. This is where you eat. You're going inside. When I close the crate, it's just matter of fact. And when, I'm when I come back from after you eat or from outside, it's just very matter of fact. Open the crate. Let him out. You don't even need to have a conversation with him. Don't talk to him. Just let him out. Let him know that's just it. It's just what happens. Okay. So going back. What you're going to do now is start closing him in while you go out, but go out at short intervals. So again, put him, give him the Kong, get him in the crate, close the crate behind you. And chances are, because dogs are dogs, he's going to know the difference between you still in the house or you going out of the house. He's going to hear something, the front doorbell, uh, or rather the front door closing and op opening and closing. Uh, you, you getting your jacket, the keys, 
the you getting into the car, the garage door. He's going to hear something that he's accustomed to hearing thousands of times that will tell him you are leaving the house. That's okay. Let him know that you are leaving the house, but do so for a short period of time. So now you're going out for five or 10 minutes. Good. You come back. He's eating the Kong. He's not freaking out. Let him out matter of factly. Again, no big party. And then you try it again later on. And you start adding to this. If you went out 10 minutes, then go out 20. Now go out 45. Now go out an hour. Now go out 90 minutes and so on, right? Until you get to the point where you can keep your dog crated for a few hours and he's not going to have a meltdown. Now, again, the long-term goal is that eventually you want your dog outside the crate. Yeah, I get that. I understand. That's fantastic. Work towards that. All I'm telling you is that you don't want to do it all at once. What often happens with a lot of people is that they, they rush to it. So they get this very young dog who isn't really properly housebroken, who has an overabundance of energy, who is outside in the house, roaming the house on his own with no human supervision. And not only does he have all of this crazy energy, but now he's incredibly bored. Things start to happen. Accidents, peeing, pooing, chewing destruction and now they've got to backpedal and go all the way back to crate training except that now the dog has had a taste for freedom and he may protest so don't don't do that <laughs> don't do that to yourself don't do that to the dog do it the right way the first time and you don't have to deal with the headache down the road okay so this is the way in which you're going to get the dog comfortable to be in the crate for a, a prolonged period of time. This is how you're going to work your way towards giving your dog that freedom that you want him or her to have. And, you know, you'll get to the point where your dog now gets to sit uh, around the house on his or her own while you're at work for whatever length of time that you're at work. Fantastic. Great success. But don't, don't throw away the crate. Don't get rid of the crate. Don't fold it up, stick it in the closet or in storage or in garage and forget about it and say my dog hasn't been in the crate for years. Keep the crate somewhere around. You may need it at some point. Yes, it's a management tool. We have a lot of management tools. A crate is one. A leash is another. Baby gates are others. So it's a management tool and you may need it. So maybe you want to have the crate somewhere uh, where the dog is just allowed to go in and sleep. Listen, you may get to the point where the dog has free range of the house and has the ability to go wherever he or she wants, but because you've done such a good job at conditioning the dog to the crate and created such a, a positive association with the crate, the dog may just choose to sleep in the crate for the rest of his life. That doesn't mean that you ever have to close the door again for some time, but he just he has his bed there, that's, you know, he feels comfortable. That's where he gets his food and his treats. You've been doing this since he was a puppy. He just wants to go in his crate. He feels comfortable there. It's a little den. And that's fantastic. There's nothing wrong with that. So keep at it. Anyway, this doesn't have to be a long episode. And it's not because we're done. I hopeful, I'm hopeful that you uh, got something out of it, that it gave you some kind of idea, set you in the right direction. That maybe if you're screwing up your dog in some sense with the crate training, maybe this kind of enlightened you when you thought, ah, okay, that's where I'm screwing up. That's all right. That's okay. We all screw up. We all mix things up. We all mess things up from time to time. 
And there's no problem with that. The problem is messing up, screwing up, not recognizing that you're screwing up. That's bad. Or even worse, recognizing that you are screwing up, but you continue to do so because you're just too damn lazy to make yourself better. Don't do that. Okay. So you make a mistake or two. No biggie. Just get right back on track and your dog will follow. Believe me. Okay. So anyway, that's it. Um, you know my name, Armando Morales. I'm on Instagram at my name, Armando Morales. That's A-R-M-A-N-D-O-M-O-R-A-L-E-S-7-7. Hit me up. Send me a, a DM. Let me know, hey, I just checked out one of your episodes. Fantastic. Give me some feedback or let me know if there are any other kind of topics or, or subjects that you want me to talk about. I'll be happy to include that. Um, but it's nice to me. Uh, it's nice for me to hear from people who listen to my podcast. All right, let's go on to the next episode. All the best to all of you. Thank you for listening in. I greatly appreciate it. I'm very grateful for all of you. And take care. On to the next show. Goodbye. This has been Don't Throw Out the Dog. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to this podcast to be the first to hear new episodes jam-packed with actionable tips and tricks small changes you can make that will make an everlasting difference in the life of your dog and your relationship with it. For more exclusive content, follow Armando on Instagram at Armando Morales 77.